Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker. My guest today is Marcus Sheridan. He's a highly sought after international keynote speaker known for his ability to excite, engage, and motivate live audiences with his simple yet powerful transformational business approach. In today's episode, he's gonna talk about a transformational marketing approach that looks to give customers exactly what they're looking for. Well, cool. You guys, today we have Marcus Sheridan on the podcast. Really excited about having him here today. You know, Marcus, why don't you tell the audience if they don't already know about you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So here's the quick one-on-one. I'll try to make the long story short. It's great to be here, Shane. And I started a swimming pool company literally out of the back of a pickup truck with a couple buddies in 2001. I was essentially out of college. And things were going okay for us up until the market collapsed in 2008, 2009. And that's, I thought we were going to lose the business. And it looked like I was going to lose my home. My two business partners lost their homes. Our 60 employees were going to have to be laid off. And that's right about the time when I really started to learn about what we might call today inbound or content or digital or any of this blogging, social art stuff. And when I looked at it all, in my simple pool guy mind, I read this as, okay, Marcus, if you just obsess over your customers' questions and you're willing to address them, you just might save your business. And so I said, all right, we're going to be the best teachers in the world when it comes to fiberglass swimming pools. And that's what we ended up being. And again, to make that long story short, we ended up becoming the most traffic swimming pool website in the world. And it saved our business and we became the largest builder of fiberglass pools in the US. Now we're manufacturing fiberglass pool shells as well because we got so many leads that I had to take advantage of those outside of our area of Virginia is where we install the pools. And so now we have dealers all over the country. And in the process of doing this, I started to write about what I was learning and uh, started a really simple blog in 2009, like six months after I started They Ask You Answer. And it was called The Sales Lion. And uh, because I love lions and sales sounded better than marketing. So nobody really listened for the most part for about six or 12 months. And then suddenly I started to pick up a little bit of traction, Shane, and and had some companies say, could you teach us how to do that thing you did with your pool company? And then I had some conferences say, hey, can can you share that story? And that led to two things that were significant. It led to me starting an agency. And that agency today is called Impact. All right, so SalesLine became Impact. And Impact has about 70-ish employees. And we do digital sales and marketing, strategy consulting for brands and companies all over the world now. And I'm speaking full-time professionally. So I still spend a couple hours a week, my pool company, still on it, spend about 10 hours a week with my agency, but I spend the rest of my time traveling and getting in front of audiences and spreading the word, which of course is They Ask You Answer. And the book came out about three years ago and it just came out in a revised version because it's been growing in momentum. Usually books slow way down after six months. It's actually picked up after six months and has kept going. And so it's been an amazing ride. And so that's the journey I've been on over the last, I guess, uh, 10 years since 2009. It's crazy. I obviously know your background. I looked at a, a, like a pool company to where you're at today. It's just such a, like, it's an interesting thing. Cause I mean, I think of like, not to compare it to Gary Vee, but Gary Vee as in, you know, wine back in the day and then how it transitioned into like how he learned what he learned from there and he, he's taken it to the next level. And I think, you know, it's a lot of those things where you have those companies that, you know, where it's like kind of make or break you and you're in a situation you're like, God, how am I going to, you know, you're learning as you go. Most people in, at least in 2009, 2010, weren't talking about what they were doing to be successful, right? I mean, the blogging thing started to become kind of big and everybody's 
He's like, I'm not going to give up my secrets. And I think you went the opposite route. You're like, hey, I'm going to tell everybody what I'm doing, what's working, what's not working, which I think has catapulted you to where you're at today, where you're now you're doing the speaking and the workshops because you've been doing it for so long, right? You've been doc, you documented your journey, which I think a lot of people didn't do. I think that was probably- Yeah, I think there's really a few things, you. you know, if I'm looking at it analytically, right? One of them is most people can put their arms around the pool guy story, right? And there's so many, we may go into them, like there's intricacies of, of how we had this crazy success. The approach of they ask you answer wasn't one that was genius at all, right? In other words, it just made so much sense to me. But it turns out that nobody really was doing many of the things that we were doing. It ended up being outrageously innovative for the time. And what's crazy about it to this day, Shane, we're a decade later, and still most companies do not really embrace this philosophy, right? They can put their arms around the story very easy. Also, I would say that I've managed this, we'll call it just success or whatever you want to call it, because I've never tried to sound smart. I think this is this is one of those things when you talk about just anything, content, your website, your brand, your message, your, as a speaker, whatever it is, there's a group of people that if you look at them, you can just tell there's something there. They're trying to sound smart. And the moment we try to sound smart, we start to lose a percentage of our audience. But if we release that, right, and we say, my only job today is communion. I'm only here so as to potentially induce a light bulb moment by me sharing with the world what the world has taught me in simple terms. I'm not here to prove anything. And that really resonated I think it resonated with all these pool shoppers, right? It resonated as I started to talk about what we were doing and people were like, dude, this makes so much sense. Why are we not doing this? And then it continues to resonate today. That's why it's been so fun. It's been so cool for me, right? But I think we forget that oftentimes. We try to sound smart and it's probably one of the number one piece of feedback that I give to people, whether it's a speaker, whether it's a brand that's, that's doing video or they're doing content. Like, what are you trying to prove here? Because it's obvious to me that you're trying to show that you're intelligent. If you just teach me without trying to show it, it'll happen organically. Hmm. Yeah, I like that because it is one of those things that when people try to act smart, then say it turns a lot of people off, right? It's like, I get it. You're Mr. Guru. You're Mr. This. But I think you, you have a really good way of being very genuine. Like we, when you put the information out there, it's like you're literally just sharing it, right? It's like, here, let me put this out there. Not And showing your expertise in doing that, but that's not really the goal, right? I think the goal is to say, this is like what I've learned. I'm literally giving you guys a gift of, hey, read this and maybe hopefully you get something from it. Well, there's a component of it that is, and I say this you have to take in the right context. There's a component, whenever you teach something, you have to teach in a way like, here it is. Now you can take it or leave it. It's okay. I'm okay either way with what you do with it, right? So let me give you an example. And and it's almost like sharing it with nothing to lose. So one of the things that in general, uh, companies have struggles with when they produce messaging and content is it immediately sounds biased. There's certain things that we do that make a viewer, make a reader say, they don't really have my best interest at heart, right? So let me give you an example of that. So the principle they ask you answer is you obsess over your customer's questions and you feel like it's your moral obligation to address them on the front end in that digital realm because if you don't address it, you know that they'll look somewhere else and that's who they're ultimately going to do business with. That's it in a nutshell, right? And so an example of this is people used to ask me as a fiberglass pool builder, they used to ask me all the time, so Marcus, be honest, what is the difference between a concrete and fiberglass pool? Why should I choose fiberglass? Okay, 99% of pool companies are going to say all the reasons why you should choose fiberglass. 
That's what they're going to do in that moment. And that's why they fail to stand out because that's not going to induce trust and it's going to show that you're biased. So how would you do that? So let's say I'm being hypothetical right now, but let's say I was going to produce an article or a video on the difference between concrete and fiberglass pools. And all I sell is fiberglass pools, right? So let's say I'm going to produce that. It's going to sound like this. And oh, by the way, like this structure is something that we've replicated thousands of times now. And it's the same thing over and over again. But again, most companies don't do what I'm getting ready to show you how to do here. And so as I'm saying this, if you're listening to this, think about, okay, is that the way we communicate online? So it might sound something like this, Shane. So one of the questions I get here all the time is, okay, Marcus, be honest. Tell me, why should I choose fiberglass over concrete? Well, the truth is you shouldn't always choose fiberglass over concrete. In fact, there are times when concrete is the better option. So what this article or what this video is going to do, it's going to honestly and transparently explain to you the pros and the cons of both types of swimming pools. And then by the end, hopefully you'll have a great sense as to which is the best choice for you. Now, when I'm with an audience and I say, after I do that, how often do companies communicate with you that way? They say, Almost never. Almost never. I was with a really big brand. Heck, I'm, I'll say their name. I was with Bass Pro Shops recently. And we were launching their new ATV line that Tracker makes. So Tracker, they make boats and they also make now ATVs. And we were shooting videos out there at their headquarters. And I was overseeing it. And it was fascinating because part of the scripting process, we had to say we were doing reviews of their ATVs. And part of it, we said, in this video, we're going to help you get a sense as to whether or not this is the right ATV for you. And the folks from the, the manufacturing side of it that were there from the manufacturing side were like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? Stop, we're going to help you decide if this is the right fit for you. Of course, it's the right fit for them. I'm like, no, it's not. So we proceeded to have this nice little debate, right? When you base things on psychology... And you base things on what would I want if I was the viewer, the listener, the reader in this moment, it gets pretty simple to make those types of decisions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's, what's interesting is that it's like any, everybody, most people would sell right on why this is the best option, right? Not really necessarily think about what are they looking for? They're looking for a non-biased opinion from somebody who's usually going to be biased. So you're, you're really giving them the answer of like here, once again, it's not for everybody. I, I mean, I get that about, so I, I do most of my speaking stuff that I do is about influencer marketing just because it's kind of the hot term and I've been doing it. And I teach a, a class over at UCLA. The reason I'm telling you that is because what people will say is say, well, influencer marketing is it good for everybody. I go, it's not. It's absolutely not. Right. And I'll tell you, there's certain, there's obviously certain niches and certain companies that it makes more sense to do influencer marketing, but it's not for everybody. Right. Cause I don't want to sell you as it's for everybody. And here's the reasons why it is good for certain companies and not good for other companies. And I think people appreciate that. Right. Because they're not used to that. They're not used to people, you know, cause that's the thing is you're not trying to pull in everybody, right. You're trying to pull in the people because then you're gonna have a better qualified client, right. Or person, because They've read through this and said, hey, out of these nine things, eight of those are me, and these are the two big things I was worried about, and that's why it makes more sense to go with a cement pool or you know, or something like that. They're not used to the people being that honest, and when you are that honest, it's like, okay, well, that's that actually really well, helps you make my decision. That, let me tell you the most important section of a website that every company should have that nobody listening to this podcast has right now. No, it is the section that is no. who we're not a good fit for. Ah, this is easily like one of the highest converting pages of your site, if you have it. 
All right. And so once again, this goes back to simple psychology. Generally speaking, everybody's going to say who they are and why they're special, maybe the problems they solve. But almost never does somebody say who we're not a good fit for. But the moment you say what you're not is the moment you become dramatically more attractive to those who you are a good fit for, right? So it's, it's the same thing if I say, you know, a fiberglass pool is not for you if you're looking for something longer than 40 feet, wider than 16 feet, very customized in terms of shape or depth. But if you're looking for a low maintenance pool that's going to last you a lifetime, that's less than 16 by 40 and less than eight feet deep, and we do have a shape that does fit your needs, well, then it might be a great choice for you. Now, the qualified person that is a fit is going to hear that and say, oh, perfect. I wanted a 16 by 32 rectangle, three to five feet deep. This is absolutely what I was looking for. So it creates a greater sense of wanting in that moment. But it's so fascinating that companies are almost never willing to say that. So if you put a section on your site that says who we're not a good fit for, and you do it without sarcasm, if you're not snarky, but if you really do it with honesty, you will find that it is a very high converter. It's funny. So we, and I've done something like that, we revamped my site now, but we did have something on my site. It was a while ago. And we, I, we did have on there, like, who's not a good fit? Like, if you don't have a budget, anything under $10,000 a month, if you don't have some kind of, you know, we put that on there. We actually received, you know, not everybody read it. People would go on there and be like, I have $500. What can you do? And I'm like, ah, well, you know, let me, let me help you out with a little bit. Let me throw you some bones or have you send you an article or something. But there was, we did see a good amount of people because once again, we really want, I mean, I don't care about a thousand leads. I care about the 10 per Perfect leads, right? Or the 10 leads that are going to be, that are going to come in that are more qualified because they've already read some of it and said, I am a good fit. And he seems like he's a good fit because I already know what he's not willing to work with. And I think, and I hopefully I'll be able to get on his radar and be able to work with him because I'm a good fit because I know what he doesn't like, right? Or what isn't a good fit. So I think it's interesting. I, I love the concept of that. And once again, I, I think it's, you got to get on more stages, my friend. I mean, that's, that's, it's, you know, well, you, what's fascinating about this, right? Is I see this across the board and Companies, they just don't do it, right? And that's because they're coming from this place of, to your point, we need as many leads as possible. But they, all the studies have proven otherwise. Like there was a recent B2B study that came out that said on the typical B2B yeah. sale, over 50% of the time, the prospect is not a good fit. Think about that. Over 50% of the time. So why in the world are we not telling that and teaching them that on the front end? They very, very much appreciate it. And this is how you set a tone early on that, no, this company, this brand, they're not like everybody else. And yes, they do have my interest at heart here, right? And that's something that's unique. And these are little things that we can do. It's no different than, let's say, let's look at messaging from like the homepage of your website. Let's just take a, a simple example. A lot of people on the homepage of their site might have a section that says, what makes us special? or why we're great, or something along those lines, right? What makes us unique? That's actually not the smartest way to say it. The smartest way to say it is, for example, a headline like this, are we really any different than anybody else? Question mark. Now that causes me to lean in because that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yet that's yeah, not absolutely. the way that most companies would do a headline. You see what I'm saying? And it's all the same principle. 
right? It's, it's all the same principle. We um, recently, for about three, four years, we've been teaching companies a lot with video. And one of the highest converting or, or one of the most effective videos that we see working is videos that go next to forms on landing pages. Now, what's fascinating about this is when somebody fills out a form on a website, there's, there's essentially four major fears that they have. Are you going to spam me to death? Are you going to email me to death? What are you going to do with my information like privacy? And what's going to happen if I fill out this form? So those are the four major questions or fears that people have. So here's what you want to do. You want to put a video immediately next to that form. Now, that video should have a title. If it doesn't have a title, it doesn't get watched, right? Which is crazy how many videos don't have titles on websites today, but that's beside the point. Now, here's the thing. The title, though, is the key here because the title needs to be done in a way that the person is thinking it. And so the title to that video would be, see exactly what will happen if you fill out this form. The problem is a lot of people would make the title why you should fill out this form. That denotes bias. But as soon as you strip bias from all messaging, it's way more attractive and people lean in. So how did you, and we, and it's so funny, we just, we're doing this podcast a little backwards, which I do appreciate. We're not going to move back. I'm not going to find out where you grew up at the end of the podcast. So what's interesting for me about this is how did you come about? I mean, was this all from the pool game from you jumping in there and you kind of realizing some of this, like having some aha moments? I mean, was this something that, I mean, it, usually that's what it is, right? It's not that, Hey, I went to, you know, this university and I had an instructor, I mean, potentially, but I, for you, is it just real world experience? Like you're in the middle of this thing going, okay, I'm about to lose my house. A lot of stuff's hitting the fan. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. If I really evaluate what people are asking and I ask to answer those questions, because it's very, it's, what you're saying sounds so simplistic, right? When you say it, now, before that, it wasn't, right? I mean, it is 20 minutes ago for me. I, but now when you say it, I'll go, God, that's the most simplistic thing ever. But yet brilliant because once again, we're not, people don't think about when I go, when somebody comes to my website, what are they truly thinking? Like, what is their, their fears? What are they worried about? What are they, right? And, and a good percentage of them have those same fears because we're thinking about it like we've got to hurry up and sell them because we have seven seconds. It's like, well, how do I pull these people in and how do I get in their head and think what they're thinking? And I think it's just brilliant in nature. Yeah. So I appreciate this question. And it's, it is a more difficult one to ask because I could tell at an early age, right around 20, I guess it was, that I explained things generally, and it wasn't arrogance. It was just a, a knowing, if you will. Mm -hmm. I could tell that I explained things in a way that people understood them better than many other people did. Mm. And I noticed as I, I was obsessive about watching receivers of information and how oftentimes they didn't get it. So like, let's say I was watching somebody teach someone else and I was watching the student or the receiver, in this case, the audience, whoever it was. And I remember thinking even at a younger age, right, even in my teen years, I was like, well, the person doesn't understand yet the teacher's moving on. Why? This doesn't make any sense. Why are we moving on right now? This person doesn't get it. And it would cause me like complete anger. Like, really? Why? And so it was this early innate sense for, okay, simplicity is beautiful. And if you can say things in an incisive way that anybody could sit there and say, that makes sense to me, you're going to ultimately be a more effective communicator, right? And then that's also where the ask you answer comes from. It was the most simple strategy that people could put their arms around. I, okay, so if I've gotten the question, I just need to be willing to address it the way they think it, feel it, say it, and search it. Yeah, okay. I can do that. See, there's nothing complicated about that. A lot of people would have tried to make it more of a science than what it is. But because I 
really try to strip it down and make it less of a science, it was more effective. And when you do really become obsessed, and I don't mean that word lightly, Shane, but when you become obsessed with the way buyers think, then it really does force you to consider things that you've never done before because you're constantly saying, well, how would I like that? Like, how would I feel about that? Would I understand that? And this is why it's like, I still to this day, a company, a brand will show me something. I'm like, but it doesn't make sense to me yet. I was like, how does it make sense? It's because it doesn't make sense. Your viewers are not going to understand this because it's not abundantly clear. It's not obvious. And here's how you can tell it if it's obvious. It's obvious if they can hear it and then teach it to somebody else. That's the quickest litmus test. It's a way you can all, and you can test certain things on this all the time. So if I explain, they ask you answer to somebody, and seconds later, they could explain that to somebody else. Simple, right? Now, if you explain the definition of content marketing to somebody, as per Wikipedia's definition, and if you read that, how spreadable, how shareable, how easy is that to understand from someone else, from another receiver of said information. It's not. And you see, this is the reason why we have struggles with buy-in all over the world. And this is the reason why, frankly, a lot of marketers struggle is because they do not speak the language of the rest of their business. They speak the language of marketing, which inherently is built to fail. Thanks, Marcus. This episode taught me a lot about content creation and understanding what your customers want. I know I can use all the tips you shared to change the way I market my brand. I know there's a lot more to learn from you. We'll continue this conversation and talk at length about your unique approach to marketing. Stay tuned for more.